Last week, we talked about doing good versus being good. And this week, we're going to have a discussion about what we can learn from the three little pigs when we expand our organizations. Once upon a time, there were three little pigs, and you know the rest. I'm not going to go through the entire story. <laughs> but one built his house out of straw, one built his house out of sticks, and one built his house out of bricks. And then some other things happened, and they ended up cooking and eating the wolf in some versions. We're not going to talk about the specifics of that story, but we <laughs> are going to talk about what we can learn from this story from a nonprofit leadership perspective. Yes, the story is so interesting because you have these two little pigs that just want to go and play so badly that they're willing to sacrifice the sturdiness of their homes. Because they're like, you know what, over time, whatever comes up, I'm sure it'll be good enough. I just want to get going on to the next thing where the third little pig does it the right way. It takes a lot longer. It's not as fun. It's not as quick. But when the day comes where he actually needs something that won't get blown over, uh, he has a sturdy structure. And this is a very important concept as we are looking at expanding our organizations. We talk to nonprofit leaders on a regular basis, and sometimes we'll hear uh, someone say something like, yeah, I just got this thing off the ground. I'm ready to go. I've already recruited someone for this next thing over here. And then in three months, we're going to start this new project over here. And they're moving so fast because they enjoy the process of getting something started more than the process of getting something established. And so they're running from one thing to the next thing, the next thing, because it's fun for them. They get excited by it. Um, and they don't realize that they're building a whole bunch of structures that don't have that ability to withstand the storms that come with nonprofit work. Storms mm -hmm. come in life in general. But storms in nonprofit. <laughs> There's a whole it, different kind of storm. It's just a different kind of storm. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I know that I personally, I tend to be the kind of person that's like those first two pigs. Like, I like starting things, and I don't like detail work. I don't like it when things feel like they're taking too long. And I don't like having to wait for something to solidify. Like, I just want to build a thing and move on. I want to be the ideas person. I want to be the person who... who uh, gets excited and works from that excitement, and then I get bored after a couple months, and then I want to move on. But... Just saying that that's who I am doesn't mean that I can't learn how to value the process of getting something established versus started. I really love the way that you said that. And I think a lot of leaders in the nonprofit space are entrepreneurial at heart and they love starting things and they love that feeling of something fresh and shiny new objects and the green grass on the other side of the fence. But it's such an easy temptation to just jump from thing to thing, building straw house after straw house inside of the organization. And even sometimes just starting a whole bunch of different organizations mm -hmm. um, and never letting them actually mature to a place where they can now 
last for a legacy. Yeah, I like that you said that both inside of your organization and starting new organizations. We've seen nonprofits that have started multiple different projects within their organization, never asking the question, does this line up with our vision? Does this make sense? Do we have other things established first? Uh, We've talked to nonprofits when we ask what they do. They answer in such a way that we can't figure out what it is that they do because we're like, (laughs) but you just cover like eight different causes and Mm -hmm. 20 different ways that you're helping these causes and you only have this budget coming in and this many people helping. Like, how is this possible? It just, it doesn't make sense, but it's because they, they have big hearts. I mean, oftentimes that's the issue. I don't mean issue in a bad way. It's a like, problem. We have to care. They, they care too much. They need to um, grinch up a little bit. <laughs> Shrink their heart a few sizes. <laughs> Let's reverse those guys. Get a little bit more greedy. Um, no, but it, it hits a point where they have to be willing to say, yes, we care about all these things. But in order for us to make the most impact, sometimes it means requiring that we narrow our scope in the short term so that we can make sure that our um, nonprofit has longevity. So they might have marketing material throws out, we did this this month, and then next month they're doing something else. And from an outside perspective, it looks like it's going really well because they have all these projects going on, they're doing so much, and they're tackling so many different areas. And sometimes it almost seems confusing, but it's like, but it must be working. But then you get behind it, and it's like, you don't have the infrastructure. You don't have the supporters. You don't have the regular donors. You haven't figured out how to utilize volunteers. You don't have the systems built up. You don't have your foundation squared up properly. And so everything is hinging on stuff that isn't solid, that hasn't Mm -hmm. been built properly. And the problem with that is if something comes through and knocks out one aspect of one of those organizations, the entire thing falls. It's not like if you built up an organization that have like three main areas and something comes through and kind of knocks off one of them a little bit, like maybe a funding source changed, the one that you relied on for a long time, and suddenly it's gone. Chances are, if they're properly built, that one thing isn't going to knock out your entire org. But when it's built too quickly and has too many things, relying on everything else to make it look good, and you're relying on those external things, look at how shiny we are, donate to us, and that's part of your marketing. Um, once something goes, it all goes. It's it's bad domino effect. Yeah, we talk about things like hollow organizations that look good from the outside, but they're not strong on the inside. Or we talk about having strong foundations. We talk about all these things. I was going to say, it's like um, the difference between building a castle and having a bouncy house that looks like a castle. They're both technically castles, but what kind of castle is going to leave a legacy? What kind of castle is going to last? One can barely even stand up to children jumping around in it. And the other one is around for thousands of years because even though wars have torn through the country and they've, you know, been bombarded with cannonballs and even bombs, there are castles in Europe that are still standing after World War II mm-hmm. and being subjected to all the craziness that happened there. And so it's just... Uh, it's a, it's a mindset that we have to think of when we are leading nonprofit organizations. In every conversation that we're having with people, in every new system that we're starting or launching, hires, firings, all of that stuff. Are we building a straw house or are we building a brick house? 
Da, da, da. Also als wir jetzt hier. We do have to think about that. What what are we actually doing with our organization? Because we can make a lot of choices in the short term that feel better, um, that are in the long term actually setting us up for just monumental disaster. And when you think about the businesses or the nonprofits that you've seen news stories on that are just like these catastrophic, they make the news and everyone hears about them. It's like salacious gossip for however long, and it wrecks a lot of people's lives. Those didn't start out as these massive problems from the very beginning. They started with these small little, um, in this instance, something is kind of going off a little bit. Do I want to build the straw house and fix it in the short term, but move on because I have other stuff that I'd rather be doing? Or do I want to actually lay a foundation for this is how we handle the hard issues going forward? And I think part of this is as leaders, we want to, like, I wish this was the case, like reality. I want reality to be that when an issue pops up, it is a complete anomaly. It will never happen again. Therefore, if we can just get past it today, I will never have to think about it again. Like, that's what I want to be the case. What's reality, though, is how we handle that issue determines how it will be handled every single time it pops up again. And you might feel like the issue is completely um, random. It'll never happen again. It's a fluke. It's so unique to our organization. No, pretty much every issue that you have, every organization is having in some capacity. And every issue that you have has a core issue, and there are just, there are only a handful of really core issues that come into nonprofit work that cause big issues. There are just multiple ways that it spins off and creates the issue. But the issue at heart might be you have someone in the organization who wants to take over leadership. And the way that it comes out is they become, you might have someone who comes in who becomes the best volunteer and they're vying for the staff position of their leader. Or you might have someone come in who tries to buddy up to the executive director, and pretty soon they're whispering in their ear and buying like extra presents and doing extra things and just trying to like come up with little ideas and trying to get control that way. Or you might have someone who gets a staff position, seems great, and then starts talking bad about other staff members so that they can just consolidate their role. And oh my gosh, that person left. Now, like there are so many ways, but the core issue is one core issue. And so what you're going through with your nonprofit, I'm sorry to say, is not unique. It might be unique to you, and this might be the first time that you're going through it. Mm -hmm. But the question is, are we going to build the straw house and get through it quickly so we can move on to what's more fun? Or are we going to build something and establish something and really establish the protocols and the culture of how we're going to handle issues going forward? Mm -hmm. I was going to say, like, a lot of straw house building comes from a sense of urgency where it's, oh, we just have to deal with this thing right now and we'll 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 do it the right way in a week. But like right now we have to. But then the next week you have a new urgent thing that takes over and you're not able to fix that straw house problem. And eventually you end up with you just keep rebuilding the straw house over and over and over again. It's wasting you a lot of time because mm-hmm. it gets blown over in the course of a week. You have to rebuild it. Um, this happens a lot with training volunteers and then dealing with, you train volunteers, you build a straw house, you only give them the knowledge to do their task, 
but you don't actually care for them enough to be able to retain them. Yeah. So then guess what? In two months, you have to train a new volunteer because the old one was like, this place sucks. I hate this. And so then they leave. But because you weren't paying attention to building a brick house that has a an environment that nurtures and gets volunteers excited to show up every time, because you didn't build that brick house, now you're having to rebuild over and over and over and over and over again the straw house because the straw house might protect you from the immediate elements of like a little bit of rain falling down on you but it doesn't protect you from anything stronger than that i mean right. a wolf can just go and knock it over <laughs> right <laughs> casual a i was also gonna, i was also gonna say this too while you were talking it made me think like people draw out these great blueprints of like this is a great house but the materials that you make it out of makes all the difference you can have the exact same open floor plan layout with a straw house, and you can have like a chimney with a straw house, and you can have a great porch with a straw house, but you start a fire in that chimney in the straw house, you got big problems. <laughs> yep. And I think a lot of people are saying like, hey, I can copy the blueprint from this other organization that is doing it really, really, really well, but I'm going to build it out of cheap, crappy materials. Mm -hmm. I'm going to not put time into making sure that I'm hiring the right people. I'm going to not put time into caring for volunteers. I'm going to not put time into doing the research to actually meet donors where they need to be met. Yeah. And those right materials might be like the materials that are going to have longevity like bricks, or it might be the materials, the right materials for your culture and your environment. Mm. Like the houses that we build up here in Minnesota are different than the houses that they build in Florida in terms of the material. I just found out last year that houses in Florida don't have basements. And it makes sense. I just never thought about it. Yeah. we Everything <laughs> here has a basement. If a house doesn't have a basement, we're like, what's wrong with the house? Like, <laughs> Is there like a nuclear pile underneath the Is house? Is it a real house, though? <laughs> like... <laughs> Real houses have basements. It's just, it's it's a cultural thing, but it's also because of the weather that we have. It's just so incredibly different. So, so the, like your house isn't on stilts? What are yeah. you, crazy? What are you, crazy? Yeah, Don't you mind. know? There are hurricanes. And we're like, <laughs> we're in Minnesota. Um, but like the materials that you, that you use are very different. So as nonprofit leaders, we love going to conferences and continuing to learn. And I'm sure you do too. Um, but what can happen sometimes is you attend a conference, learn these best practices and how they are implemented. And rather than taking away the best practice itself and saying, how can we apply this within our organization? We say how they are implementing it is right. We are going to implement it the same way. Mm -hmm. And depending on where you are, um, that might just be the straw house option. Copying the way that they're implementing it is a lot easier than figuring out why they implement it and figuring out how to do that on your own. That takes brainstorming. That takes a meeting. That takes figuring out the right people and the systems and the structures and everything else. Or if you can just say, oh, they implement it like this. We'll just do that. That is significantly easier and it probably won't work long term. Right. If like, things are easy, to, really easy to set up, they're also pretty easy to tear down. Yeah. And that's part of the wisdom of the Three Little Pigs story, too. It's like, hey, the straw person was able to get their house set up in, like, no time at all. And the stick person took a little bit longer. Right? Person, pig, whatever. Uh, but 
they were capitalizing on this idea that they could just throw it up real quick, and that's what the value they were looking for. And ultimately, it was bad, you know? Yeah, and a problem with it, too, is the pig who was building his house out of sticks probably looked at the pig that was building their house out of straw and going, well, at least I'm better than that guy. (laughs) Oh, snap. (laughs) Just saying. Like, I mean, let's be honest. What things are we doing in our orgs that we're just looking at someone down the street and saying, at least I'm better than them, not realizing that just because we chose a slightly more solid material it doesn't mean that we have built a more solid structure. Yeah. Like, it's it's really, really important that we are taking that time to do the hard work. And it saves you so much time long term. Like, so much time. I will say, too, like, if you look at the story of the Three Little Pigs, it lines up perfectly with what happens in a lot of nonprofits, too. There will be, like, these startup nonprofits that don't have great systems and structures in place that don't actually think through the long term. They gather a lot of people. They gather a lot of donors. Something comes along. The whole thing collapses. And where do all those donors and volunteers end up? They end up at a different organization that took the time to build with longevity. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not all about taking people from one nonprofit and putting them in the other. But the ones who stand the test of time also benefit (laughs) when the other ones fall apart. Mm -hmm. And you don't necessarily want to be the nonprofit organization that falls apart right you want to be the one that people are like hey we were a part of this other great nonprofit, but something went wrong and it all fell apart like you're doing something similar can we come and help you yeah that's the position you want to be in right think, think about this in terms of for-profit like businesses um a lot of the businesses that are really big today are simply the ones that made it through the different recessions that the country has gone through It might not have even been that they were the best company going into a recession. They were just the one that survived. Like, for whatever reason, they had enough money on their balance. They had their assets allocated in a certain way. Maybe they weren't overstretched in terms of... Yeah, the conservative with their risks. And something about it gave them the right edge that when they came out the other side, their competition was gone. And that's part of the reason why they still exist and why they're Mm. more known. The same thing happens in nonprofits. We see flashy nonprofits get started, um, either nonprofits, sometimes they're churches, uh, a lot of times they're other organizations, and we'll see something get off the ground that looks really good right away. But within a few years, they're not in existence anymore. And it's because something came along and the organization itself was structured in a way where it wasn't able to withstand whatever was happening. Um Maybe they made it past that initial funding push and thought they had a lot of people on board, not realizing that getting the initial funding is sometimes a lot easier than getting the continual regular funding and continuing that fundraising effort. Sometimes it's that something came along and the leader wasn't prepared for the role. Hmm. There are certain people who want to do nonprofit work, which is fantastic. But sometimes the best work for a nonprofit leader to do first is to go into for-profit and get some of their skills figured out so that they can come into the nonprofit and use some of those skills, but then also have had a chance to mature and research the cause more too, so that they know that the so that they can know that the difference that they're making is the right difference to be making. Because we've seen leaders burn out doing good work that's not the right work. Right. And that's something that we have to be careful of. I'd say too, sometimes the best thing to do is to be a part of a nonprofit and volunteer and just be connected to a nonprofit yeah. for an extended season so that you can actually get a feel for how does this 
animal, this beast even work, mm-hmm. you know, and that is taking the time that is necessary to building a strong foundation. It, it makes me think of um, concrete, how it gets stronger when it's subjected to the elements or water specifically, but like it gets stronger over time when it's subjected to water. We want to be organizations that become stronger when we're subjected to uh, pressure and hardship, not not organizations that become weaker when they're subjected to that. Yeah. So what does it really take for an organizational leader to think through, let's kind of like maybe go through our flywheel and just kind of talk about how do you build a brick house when it comes to each of those sections on the nonprofit legacy flywheel? Yeah. Where do you want to start? I mean, I want to start, I love starting with vision Yeah. because it's so... It can be so easy and tempting to say, hey, I can I'm I'm great. I'm charismatic. I can manipulate through language. I can manipulate people to get what I want. And it's a it is a skill that people have to be able to orate and get people to jump on board. And you have to carry that with a responsibility and a humility to say this could also be extremely dangerous Mm-hmm. A lot of very charismatic people have committed a lot of really terrible wrongs in the world because people were just enamored with their ability to speak and cast a vision. And so as a vision casting leader, you have to think, am I building an organization that is healthy with the way that I am vision casting or am I building something that is a, a straw house? Yeah. Am I getting people to really want to buy into what we're really trying to do as an organization or am I using my charismatic ability to get a one-time quick fix uh, for a situation now this is something that is hard to acknowledge in ourselves a lot of times our greatest skill is also our greatest potential um, thing that will cause damage in other people and blind spot and blind spot yeah mm-hmm. because if we are someone who are like, we're really great at casting a vision. We're really great at getting people on board. We're really great at explaining the why. Um, that means that we are also really great at manipulation, and we are also really great at using language to put pressure on people to do what we want them to do. And if we are unwilling to recognize that, we actually are more likely to fall into that. Mm-hmm. And so starting out by saying, how am I building this, starting with vision, Um, How am I actually even vision casting in a way that creates a foundation of trust long term? Because if we aren't going to acknowledge the fact that we can be quite terrible people, if I mean, if left to our own devices, if saying I'm just going to go get mine um, and like I'm just going to respond from my hurt versus go through the work. Yeah. Of getting to the other side of whatever needs to happen. Um, the things that we are great at can easily become the things that be, that start harming the people around us. And the way that we vision cast, if we're not careful, can very quickly turn into the thing that actually destroys our organization because we either lose sight of the vision or we start misusing the vision. Yeah. And the, uh, the prime example of building a straw house with vision casting is guilt mongering, like yeah. just using guilt as a motivating factor. Guess what? It works, but it's a straw house because eventually people just get tired of being guilted into everything and they leave. Mm-hmm. Or 
guilt only goes so far, people have, just can't take it anymore. And they have to, they get, you know, they'll say they're burnt out, but really they're just tired of just constantly feeling guilt about not helping all the time or whatever it might be mm-hmm. or giving all the time. Um, cool. Moving on from vision. How yeah. about, how about, uh, followers? Pers- yeah. Followers. Um, followers is a really interesting one because in a society that, especially with social media, wants all the followers, <laughs> um, it's really easy to try to force numbers and say, and like try and get people to do what you want them to do in order to make it seem as if you have more followers than you actually have. Mm-hmm. Um, I need you to go here and do this and like this and share this and ask these people to like this this many times. And you can actually falsely boost your own numbers in a way that actually destroys any hope of people seeing your content, honestly, um, or yeah. any hope of people wanting their wanting to become a follower because the way that you are asking for them or the way that you're getting them is so inauthentic or so pressury or so fake that people look at it and they're like, this isn't real. I don't want to do it. Where if you can figure out how to get real followers, uh, sharing your vision in a way that is actually compelling to people and gets people to want to opt in to your text list, your email list, your postcards, whatever it may be, social media posts, whatever it may be, that is harder to do and much more beneficial long term for a whole host of reasons. Yeah, prime example of this is in the age of social media and AI-based um, distribution of posts that happens, whether that's like YouTube or Facebook or Twitter or whatever. Um, having a large amount of followers that don't engage with your posts actually de- decreases who those posts go out to. I mean, the AI is looking for engaged audiences. And you can try to fake it all day long, but the best way to get an engaged audience is to engage the audience, <laughs> not bolster the numbers in some fake way by like, you know, some some uh, places will do like bot accounts or they'll just gather as many, see how many people they can get to like their Facebook page or whatever it is. You can get those numbers to go up and they might look impressive for a second, but as soon as someone sees that you put out a post and two people responded to it or saw it, they know right away this organization is a bunch of BS. Like they say they have thousands of followers, but no one cares. Yeah. That is that is a That's death terrible. sentence for a nonprofit when people yeah. see that no one cares about your organization. That might also be because you're just posting too much. You're trying to get, get, get from social media. And again, that's a straw house approach to followers. You want to actually build an organization that's worth following. Yeah. If you build an organization that's worth following, guess what? People will show up. They'll show up and they'll follow you and they'll care. Um, Start there. Start with the brick house approach. It's going to take time. Be okay with it taking time because that's what you actually want to build. Yeah. Um, I want to jump ahead a couple. Yeah, That's all right. Because yeah, we have personal development, right people. But I think right action is a place where so many mm. organizations skip the step of figuring out what the right action actually is. Because personal development, obviously, it's developing yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, getting the right people versus getting the wrong people. And that's a very important thing to figure out for your organization. But that right action 
So often we have an idea of what could be done as an organization, and part of the right action that is often skipped is first asking the question, just because we can do it, should we do it? And then brainstorming what the right action actually is, not Mm -hmm. the one that we think it is. Now, as a leader, our guts tend to be pretty dang good. That being said, we have to have that conversation so that we have people that we trust pushing back on our ideas so that we actually know if it's the right thing. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and this is a weird part of the right action, but it's figuring out and going through the work of having those right conversations to figure out what the right action is. And sometimes in the short term, a right action to beta test a new aspect of your organization might be to build something out of straw. Sometimes we have a good idea as an organization and it's like, well, I think this thing's going to work. So we're going to invest tens of thousands of dollars and dump all the resources and all the key people into it and spread everyone out and everyone so thin that nothing can sustain itself anymore to see if it works. Because my gut says it's going to work. Therefore, obviously, it's going to work. And so the right action is starting with those conversations and getting the right people in the room to actually have those conversations. Yeah, taking time to figure out what the right action is is the first step to right action. You can't just assume you know what the right action is. Yeah. Especially as a leader. Yeah. Because you might have a 100,000 foot view of what's going on, but you also don't have eagle eyes. You can't see down at the microscopic level. And a lot of times there are things going on at the microscopic level that require a lot more attention right now than what you think needs attention. We've seen organizations have leaders that have the right gut response to something, but the way that they choose to implement it because they don't bring in the leaders of that actual aspect of the organization is so detrimental to those leaders that those leaders eventually quit. And they're like, Mm -hmm. you had the right thing, but the way that you chose to implement it destroyed everything that I've been working on for the last two years. And we had the right teams, we had the right people, we had all these other things going on that you couldn't see because you are too far removed. And you were not humble enough to say, I see this situation going on, let's talk about a potential solution rather than I know the right solution. Yep. And oftentimes the right action too, with having the conversation, is also just waiting. Mm -hmm. There are times with Ted that I'll be like, I have a gut feeling that this thing needs to be addressed, but I don't know why yet. So I'm telling you not to take action. I'm telling you that we're going to have to address this. It's good that you tell me not to take action because I usually yeah. jump. Tuttle jump. If I'm like, hey, we're having. <laughs> and an- then I check to see if I have a parachute. I'm like, <laughs> I jumped. Oh, shoot. <laughs> yeah. There have been times that we'll have a leader underneath us. I'm like, this needs to be addressed with this. Something needs to be addressed here with this person. And Tuttle will be like, all right, I'll go have a conversation. I'm like, no, no, no. I don't know what needs to be addressed <laughs> yet with this person. My gut just says something is not quite how it should be. Give me a day or two to kind of just let it sit. And once we kind of figure out what's going on a little bit more, because I don't want to go into a conversation like, all right, we just need to fix it. When they're like, fix what? I'm like, I don't know, but let's figure it out. Like those aren't productive conversations and you're much more likely to end up with everyone frustrated (laughs) in in a fight. So not that, I mean, your gut's good too, though, when you run in. Yeah, no, they're, they're, I mean, I think it's just really important to have different people advising from above, below, and beside you, Mm -hmm. um, people that you trust and that you know are thinking through 
real solutions, not just trying to make their lives easier or more complicated. Some people just want to make it more complicated. So just having those people around you so you can check your ideas, uh, whether you're somebody who likes to take a lot of time with their ideas. Because sometimes you'll say, I just need a couple days to be like, and I'm like, we can't wait a couple days. This is something that needs to happen, like probably in the next hour. So we should prioritize thinking through how we're going to handle the situation in the next hour. Yeah. But um, I was also going to say, moving on to systems, Mm -hmm. I think is the next big one to really touch on because systems are where we're getting our results from. It stems back to what systems we have in place. When we're seeing a certain situation, it's not that the situation is the problem. There is a system that has been built underlying that problem, and we need to figure out what it is and if it should adjust, how it should adjust, and all that to make the outcome happen. So, for example, not enough donations are coming in. You have a system built up, whether you built it intentionally or unintentionally. Chances are you built it unintentionally, and you built it as a straw or a stick house for your donations. So you need to then take a step back and think, how do we, we don't necessarily need to blow up the blueprint. Maybe the blueprint print, blueprint is right. <laughs> blueprint. Maybe the blueprint is What's right. Blue blazer black. <laughs> but, Friends, anyone? Not Ted. He doesn't know this. <laughs> no, I don't. If it was a Futurama quote, I'd be all over it. But no, maybe the blueprint was right. Maybe we had the right idea about how we were going to set up our, our donor care and all of that. But maybe we just built it out of the wrong resources. Maybe we didn't put enough staffing into it. Or maybe we didn't think through really well how it was going to feel to receive this kind of thank you versus this kind of thank you as a donor or whatever it might be. So just taking the time to really analyze your systems is huge, Mm -hmm. especially when you see an issue. Taking the brick house approach and saying, okay. Let's just kind of pull back the curtain and look at what this is actually built out of. If the structure is right, then we need to fix how it's what it's built out of. Sometimes the structure is wrong, and then you need to actually excavate and change things. But I've seen people who are like, hey, let's just bulldoze the whole thing. And all they really had to do is just put some bricks around it. Like, it was working. It just needed more resources, or it needed a little bit more time to mature. Yeah. Or, you know, they're like, oh, this wall's shaky, and it was bricks, but like the cement hadn't set yet. Like yeah. it's just give it a little bit of time and things will be great. But there are certain things that giving it a little bit of time is exactly what's needed. And then there are some things where giving it a little bit of time is enough to actually, it's like, um, yeah, letting the cement set versus letting the mold grow. Like a little bit yes. of time can be the best thing for it or it can be the worst thing for it. Or if it's cheese, it could be the best thing for it. Mold. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> so understanding what it is that you're looking at and having those right advisors around you and the right people around you and bringing the right people into those moments to figure out what those things are and understanding that there are things right now in your organization that are made out of straw. And there are things in your organization right now that are made out of bricks. And just because you think you might know which is which doesn't mean you actually know. And so before you go ahead and start tearing down random stuff and assuming that certain things are right and certain things are wrong, it's really important that we take the approach of first asking questions and just gathering information. 
Um, especially the more layers that your organization has, wherever you are within the organization, there is only so much that you can see. And mm-hmm. I've heard some leaders say, well, I'm the leader of the organization or I'm the founder of the organization. So therefore, I know best. But if you are in that executive director position and you have a large organization and you have like someone beneath you and someone beneath them and that person's overseeing three different people and those three people lead the volunteers and they probably have a volunteer leader and then a few more volunteers, you are not in the best position to know what is working to get volunteers into your organization. You might have a good idea of what's working, but until you go and actually have those conversations with the people, until you actually examine the systems, and then until you actually go and see what vision casting actually looks like to get volunteers in the door, um, you can't necessarily know. And so we don't want to take the idea of a straw house versus a brick house and walk into a room and say, I am the person who founded this. I am the person in charge. Therefore, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to go through all your teams. This one's straw, brick, brick, straw, straw, brick, straw. Fix it. Like, it's not going to help the situation. So as leaders, we need to go in assuming we probably have good guts because over time, we kind of, you get those, you get better at reading the situation, the people, everything going on. But we also have to be willing to say, just because I have had experience in this doesn't mean that I can assume that I'm right in this moment. So let me go in and ask the right questions. Just recognizing that as a leader, you have a limited data set. You don't have all the information. You might have a really good idea of where to go next, but you're also working with limited information. Yeah. And so doing that recon and figuring out, okay, what's actually happening on the ground levels? You know, how are our volunteers actually feeling? Not just, are they showing up? Yeah. But like, are they excited when they show up? Do they show up late and they like are like, oh, crap, I showed up late. Or do they show up late and they're like, yeah, yeah, who cares? Like, those are things that That's you can't huge. necessarily tell from the top. You don't get to see those immediate interactions. But conversations with people who are really working in the trenches in your organization is going to actually bring those things to light. And then you can use that in, con- in, in combination with your gut and your experience that you developed over time to make really good data-driven decisions, not just... And you said talk to the ones who are actually in the trenches. I know there are some leaders right now that are like, I'm in the trenches too. (laughs) Don't say that. You might be in a different trench though. So we need to acknowledge Mm. that we can't see everything that's going on everywhere with all the people. That's really, really good. So with that, we would love to hear from you and hear something right now that you're trying to figure out if it's a straw house or a brick house. We're just curious because we know every organization is trying to figure out a different aspect of their organization. So we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at office at legacybuildersintl.com.